Welcome to the SLP Talk Show. Real talk with Carrie about stuff that really matters. Hey, it's Carrie, your fast-talking, speech-therapy-loving host. While you are driving, cleaning, exercising, or whatever it is you do while listening to podcasts, I'm going to be chatting about pediatric speech therapy stuff. But I don't want our time together to feel like work or be boring. You already work enough, and you already have enough boring stuff to do in your life. So let's get going and have some fun. Hi, this is Carrie, and I'd like to welcome you to the sixth episode of SLP Talk Show. Jim, can you believe we're already on episode six? Yep, I can. It's, you can? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it seems kind of surreal. When you and I first talked about doing a podcast, I don't think we really knew what we were getting into. I mean, you've listened to podcasts, I guess, a little bit over yeah. the years. Yeah. I really hadn't listened to many. And so, I don't know. I just, I feel like I have a lot to say, which anybody who knows me knows that my favorite yeah, yeah. thing in the yeah. world to do is... Yeah, you talk. Talk. You can can talk it up. I can talk it up. That's right. That's why it's pretty cool that I get paid to do the thing that I love most. I get paid to talk. It's pretty Mm -hmm. awesome. So, yes, this is our sixth episode, and we are moving right along with our biweekly or Mm -hmm. semi-weekly or twice-a-week format. Twice a week. Twice a week. That's just what we're going to say. Some weeks we may even put out a bonus episode, which means there might be three episodes in a week. So would that be like tri-weekly? Is that a word? Is that a term? I, I think it is now. It is. It is. I love to make up words, don't I, Jim? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's one of my superpowers. Yeah. We won't talk about all the words you make up. I really some should of them have are, Carrie's Dictionary. Yeah, I really should. But some of them are, are naughty words. <gasps> Jim, I don't ever say naughty words. <laughs> ever. Ever. Uh, anyway, so what Jim and I kind of do is uh, we just kind of record when the mood strikes us. When um, there's an idea and we have time, we just kind of head into the pink recording studio and, and record. So here's what we're going to do today. This is going to be uh, something new, something different. Uh, I love variety. I love change. And so I did not want the format of this podcast to be the same every week. So here's what we're going to do. I have been talking to Jim about some content that I've been reading on social media. And last night I read him this quote and I was so inspired by it. And I read it to him again. And Jim said, why don't you just do a post about like people that inspire you? Yeah, shout out. Shout outs. So he's like, let's have like a shout out day. So uh, that's what I'm going to do. We're just going to share the love today. And uh, I have pulled uh, five quotes from different podcasts posts on Instagram and so I am going to read the post to you and give a shout out to the author of these posts and then I will be sure to put their social media handles in the show notes so that you can follow them because these are accounts that I just I really uh, am inspired by so here's the first post that I want to share and Jim this is the quote that I read to you last night that kind of gave you this idea that why don't you just do a shout out so here's the quote Mm -hmm. autism acceptance starts at home autism is a part of your child and you need to embrace it remember to protect it remember to protect your child's individuality remember that intervention is to help the child towards a comfortable state of life it's not to force them or change them to make them normal yeah that's awesome i I love that and i i guess my first thought is not less different 
Yeah, different, not less, right? That's in the Temple Grandin's famous yeah. words that, you yeah. know, remember that that time Temple Grandin came to Kansas City yeah, and we you went, and we I, went to see her. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it was the second time I had seen her speak and it was, I was like, Jim, you need to go hear her. Yeah, that was that many was, years that ago. That was great. It was, it was. Kansas City, Kansas. Yep, yep. So that quote comes <clears throat> from at Audie Stories underscore of underscore Vanya. And again, I will uh, put that handle in the show notes uh but the author uh describes her her page as just a mom autism advocate exploring life through the eyes of my neurodivergent child hang on a minute here because i've been around strong women my whole life my grandma was an amazing woman my mom is very strong there's no such thing as just a mom just a mom oh jim that's the nicest thing you've maybe ever said (laughs) no it's true it's true Wow, I kind of teared up a little bit there. That's really powerful. So, yeah, I hope you'll you'll follow at Audie Stories of Vanya. Uh, I have looked through her account and this quote that she just posted recently, it just really, really stood out to me and it really touched me. I mean, autism acceptance starts at home, right? Episode five was all right. about autism acceptance. Right. And I don't know, what are your thoughts on this on this quote, Jim? Do you have any... any uh, any, uh, I don't know, deep thoughts about this? Well, I, I think that, you know, each child that you have, like we have three kids. Mm-hmm. They're all different. They're all individuals. And right. I think it's important to, you know, stand up for their individuality, no matter who they are. No exactly. Matter, no matter if they're neurodivergent or if they're neurotypical. neurotypical. Right? Yeah, absolutely. We have two neurotypical daughters and they could not be more different. Right. Yeah. Here's here's something you may not know about our, our daughters. I don't know if I've ever really shared this, at least not recently. So uh, our daughters are 10 days shy of being a year apart in age. So, uh, yeah, I always, I'm, so they're, yeah, they're I'm what's called. You haven't brought that up. I yet. really haven't. I haven't talked about that in a while. Why is this always my fault too? It, well, it is your fault, no, obviously. So they're less than a year apart in age. So they're, I think there's a term, is it called Irish twins? I think so. Yeah. So anyways, we're not. Irish, really. But anyways. Um, I'm sort of. Okay, you are a little. Yeah, we could go down that rabbit hole about 23andMe or whatever, all, yeah. our, all our DNA testing. But um, let's not go there. So uh, so the girls are 11 and a half months apart in age, and yet they are so different from each other. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's crazy to me. And so, you know, we always look at, um, you know, is it nature? Is it nurture? Well, they were raised by the same parents. I mean, in the same exact era, it's not like there's 10 years difference between them. And yet no. they, their individuality is striking, right? Yeah. So I love how in this quote, she says, remember to protect your child's individuality. An autistic child their individuality needs to be protected, right? Our goal of any intervention, of any therapy, of any um, educational programming, whatever it is, it's not to change the child, right? right? And so I just, this just, I don't know. It just, it hits me, you guys. Autism acceptance starts at home. Autism is a part of your child. You need to embrace it. Remember to protect it. Remember to protect your child's individuality. Ah. So thank you for that. I just I just think that is beautiful. So that is the first post that I wanted to highlight. Mm-hmm. All right. The second post that I want to highlight, here is the quote. Are you ready, Jim? Here mm-hmm. it is. Yep. A neurodiversity perspective stresses that everyone has a different mind, a different way of being, and that we should not suppress these differences, but accept and support them. Yeah. I mean, 
kind of goes back to the last one a little bit. Everybody's it does. different. Everybody's you know, different. Everybody has a different perspective. We're all not to use snow. I'll use snowflakes in a positive way here. Okay. Okay. We're all snowflakes and that we're all different we are all different absolutely think how boring the world would be if we were all a bunch of clones you know if we said oh you're the ideal neurotype you're the ideal person we're just going to clone you and have you know um how many people are on the planet six billion something like that and have six billion of the same person can you imagine how ridiculously boring this planet would be, right? And we'd never survive. I mean, that's the thing, is it takes, oh, isn't this one of, uh, another quote, I think, by Temple, it takes all kinds of minds, right? That you can't just have one type of thinker, one type of mind. So I just appreciate this. This quote um, by Richard Josie was shared by at Sivan Hong author, who is a neurodivergent author and mom, illustrator of the Super Fun Day book series that focus on neurodiversity topics. So again, I will be sure to put her social media handle in the show notes. But I just, I really think that is a a beautiful quote. And you're right. It kind of goes along with, you know, piggybacks with the first quote. Yep. So from this same account, uh, she also shared this quote from uh, attitudemag.com. Here it is. Here's the quote. When your child was born. Oh, this is a, this is a good one, Jim. When your child was born, you imagined a future for them. A neurodivergent diagnosis can change that future. It's okay. No matter how positive you may feel about the benefits of neurodiversity, give yourself the time and space to move through emotions that inevitably follow a diagnosis. The author uh, of this post goes on to say, we have been in your footsteps and are here on the other side, and it's still okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. I think it's... I think it hits right at, you know, the emotions that are there in, in, in the beginning. The humanity of it, right. right? Because it's so easy for me as a professional to say, embrace the autism. Embrace the neurodiversity of the world, right? right? It's okay. Your but, child's the but same. still those same fears yeah. that everybody has. Even, yeah. you know, for all your children is fear of unknown. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, and when you have this diagnosis, it seems like you're just... Now you don't know. This, you're this, like huge mountain you've got to go right climb. i don't know how to raise an autistic child right, right? i don't know uh how how to do this i had and, that when you know we had two girls to begin with and then when we found out aaron's gonna be a boy i was like well i don't know boys i know yeah, girls i know yeah. how how to how to raise daughters <laughs> how to raise yeah, daughters, but yeah. Not boys so i just think our son uh, our autistic son aaron is 17 years old so we are 15 years out from his original diagnosis Mm -hmm. um 15 years so i just appreciate how the author of this post said we have been in your footsteps and are here on the other side and it's still okay you guys if you are a parent of a newly diagnosed child um I am telling you that your life is different once you get that diagnosis, right. but it's not its not worse, okay? I know it seems scary in the moment. It does. We were it scared, does. weren't we? We were it, scared. It and we shed a lot of tears. And again, like you said, it's the fear of the unknown. I right. don't know how to raise an autistic child. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. So allow yourself, if you're a parent of a newly diagnosed child, allow yourself to um, have that that moment, that space to grieve, to, sure. um, you know, uh, experience the emotions that you need to, because we certainly did. Well, yeah. And I think you, you start out and you, you have this, everybody has this 
thought in their mind that, okay, this is this is how it's going to be to be a parent. Right. Number one. Right. And then you have your child and you're like, oh, gosh, I was completely off. Completely but, wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then, but then you, know, you have this, this pathway in your mind that you feel like, okay, this is how this child's going to go. You right. Know? Like, right. okay, he's a boy. He's, he's going to play be, football, right? Play football, mm-hmm. be an incredible. No, it's not the path for him. No. No. So it's a different path. Right. That's all but it is. It's, it's but different. It's, but it's still, we're on the path. We're on we're, a journey. And we're, right? we're still going forward. We're, oh, what's what's my favorite saying, Jim? Forward is forward, no matter the speed. Right. Right? So, but it's, it's mm. just a different path than yeah. what yeah. we would imagine. So I have to let go of my expectations of what their life was going to be. Right, right. And I think all parents do that. You know, we're like, oh, well, I want my son or daughter to be a soccer player or, you right. know, to play yeah. tennis or oh, play piano yeah, or play violin. he's going to be president of the United States. Right. You know, yeah. we all have that. So I don't know. It's just, I, that quote just really made me realize that, you know what, when you get to the other side, because I know this sounds kind of maybe crazy to say, but when we've been married 29 years and I think of our life as life before autism and life after autism. Right. Because it changed. It did change everything. And change is hard, right? And I think that when we look at, um, you know, parents who are struggling with the diagnosis, it's that fear of the unknown. And I don't know how to do this. And I don't want to fail. And it'd be easier if my child wasn't autistic, right? There's that thought, right? Right. But the point is your child is the same today as they were yesterday before they were given that diagnosis. It's just now what you have is you have a label so that you can start understanding how your child learns, how Mm -hmm. your child communicates, how your child interacts with others. And we can start developing um, accommodations and modifications and make a plan to support your child. See, before they had the diagnosis, it was really hard to do that. Because before the diagnosis of autism, everybody assumes that give him some therapy and he'll catch up. He'll be normal. Right. Right. He'll be, oh, if we just get him enough therapy, he won't have this autism anymore right Right. so that's why the label is so important even though it's hard and there is a grieving process Mm -hmm. and um but the label is how you start to understand your child i sometimes i think of my life as like there's a bc part of my life before carrie before carrie And now we're, now we're, you know, in modern times. In modern with, times. With, with Carrie. After Carrie, yeah. Before Carrie and with, oh, with Carrie. Probably B, not, I don't BCWC. Wanna, there you go. BC. Before Carrie and with Carrie. Yeah. yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah, 29 years. What are we going to do for our 30th anniversary? Where are you taking me? Well, that's not this year. That's next year. I know, but you better start planning. Uh. <laughs> All right, if you guys have any good ideas of where Jim should take me on our 30th anniversary, let yeah. me know, Okay. Okay, so we're ready for number three. Here we go. Third quote. Autism isn't something a person has or a shell that a person is trapped inside. There is no normal child hidden behind the autism. Autism is a way of being. So this quote by Jim Sinclair, who is an autistic advocate, was shared by at Jesse Ginsburg, SLP. Mm-hmm. Any I mean, thoughts on that, Jim? I mean, I like, I like um, it in a general sense. Not a huge fan of the they use normal in that sentence but there's no normal child i understand what they're getting at you know well and i think this is what's so important is so much of the time when there isn't autism awareness and autism acceptance there is and i I don't know if this is the right word but there's ignorance around autism right Mm -hmm. if you don't understand autism then there's an assumption that being autistic is is um 
barrier. A, a barrier, yeah, that that to your humanness, right? Mm-hmm. Being autistic is a barrier to your humanness, and so you are substan you're a substandard human in some way. So there's mm-hmm. this idea historically that being neurotypical is the ideal neurotype. So being neurotypical is normal. Okay, that's right. what what this is all based on. Neurotypical. So it should have been like normal and. Air quotes, quotes, like air quotes normal. Right. Right. So because uh, as somebody who is uh, a very uh, much practicing autism acceptance and trying to advocate for autism acceptance, um, I I, I don't like that word normal when you talk about a human being in any sense of the word. There is a comedian. I wish I could think of her name. Patsy. Patsy Claremont. I don't know. I think that's what it is. And she said normal is just a setting on your dryer. (laughs) And that's what I always think of. I always picture yeah. our dryer upstairs and I'm like, no, children are not normal or abnormal, right? Right. That's dryer. Dryer has a setting for normal. Children, human beings, we don't use the word normal. So I'm always very um, cognizant of that term and I try not to ever write the word normal. Yeah. In a, and if I did, I would always put it in air quotes. But the gist of the statement, autism isn't something a person has. So that leads us down the path as to why so many... Uh, autistic adults prefer identity first language. Autistic child, autistic adult, or just an you know autistic person, mm-hmm. as opposed to uh, person first language, child with autism. Because when we say child with autism, it makes it sound like autism is something the child carries around like a backpack, right? Yep. So they have it, and we want to get rid of it. Right. It's it's a symptom. It's 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 a symptom of a disease. So if we could get rid of it, then they'd be a whole human again, right? So that's that idea, and that's why um, we have to fully understand and embrace the fact that autism is a different neurotype. It's right. a different way of being human. It's a valid way of being human. All right, but it's um, where our goal of any services is not to make them normal, and we don't want parents or or professionals to think that underneath that autism is a whole person mm-hmm. that we just can't get to them yet. Right. right. Okay. The fourth post. Okay. This is from uh, at Autism Grown Up. And it is a nonprofit organization that creates resources and education to help you, meaning parents, that's us, Jim, be future focused. And I love that so much. I don't think I've ever used that term, future focused. But wouldn't you say, since Aaron is 17, that we are very future focused right now? Yep. Absolutely, right? Yeah. So the um, at Autism Grown Up uh, shared this information from an article in the Journal of Family Social Work titled "I Worry About His Future." And uh, Jim and I talk about this a lot. This post Mm -hmm. really, really hits hits close to home. Uh, What What I really part of autism acceptance is this, you guys, is understanding, acknowledging, and being very vocal about the fact that autistic children become autistic adults. Autism doesn't end at age 18, right? Autism doesn't end when there's no more IEPs on the books, okay? So we have to really be focusing on what happens after age 18, right? Right. After that IEP, uh, the school is done. So um, this is what the post uh, uh, was about. Um, They talked about there are common parental worries about the future. And in interviews with parent caregivers, the following four themes appeared uh, in interview responses, okay? And these are fears that parents reported that they had about their child's future, okay? Their autistic child's future. So here's the first fear. Jim, tell me what you think about this one. Difficulty identifying caregiver support for the future. Yeah, I mean... That's something I think about all the time, you know. I always think about when I'm gone. I'm not going to live forever. Right. Me neither. 
What happens to Aaron? Who's going to be there for him? Who's going to... Yeah. Who's going to, you know, look out for him? Who's going to help, help him... Help him manage he, money. Yeah. Help him if he needs help. Right, you know, right. That, that's one of my it's, biggest it, thoughts on I think mind. it is the biggest parent fear. What happens when I die? I mean, I not that I want to... You know, it's, it's, a, it's a true fear, right? Yeah. I mean, we're in our 50s now, and mm-hmm. we're not going to live forever. And nobody knows our son better than we do. Nobody. I mean, I think we often think, and the girls, our two daughters, our two neurotypical daughters have said, Mom, we'll, we'll take care of him. And I understand that. But I don't want him to ever be considered a burden, you right. know. And they have right. assured us he never would be Mom. We would always take care of him. And I think they would. But what if something, God forbid, happened to them? I mean, he's the youngest of three children, right? right. So, I mean, when we start looking at, oh, well, we have these great friends who really understand autism. We have great friends in Wyoming who I'm like, right. I would want them to raise him but i mean they're still older than aaron right so it's almost like you have to find people who are younger i don't know it's just so i lose sleep over this i do i really truly do so our goal is to make him as independent as possible right right? to be able to have resources in place for things like transportation i mean he may never drive don't you think that's a realistic yeah statement absolutely i mean you were like maybe we could let him drive a golf cart to start practicing (laughs) And my idea was the riding lawnmower. Like, I really think we could go there, too. But anyway, so that was the first fear, which I think that all parents would agree with. Here's the second um, thing that parents worry about. Barriers to making plans and decisions. So I think that there are a lot of logistical things that come up at that point where, like, Aaron's 17. We know that when high school's over, he can't just sit around home and play video games and twiddle his thumbs all day, right? Right. No, he's going to have to be... You know, at a job or right. do something. He's gonna, you know, and I don't to, even care if he makes give money. Him a fulfilling he needs, life. He needs you know? purpose, right? Every human being needs purpose. And I guess the barrier there would be, you know, what is he gonna do? What is he gonna do? And I think about even logistically, like how's, how's he, he gonna, gonna get, get there? there? Yeah. Thank you, Jinx, show me a soda. <laughs> but how's he gonna get there? Because I'm like, you know, he really would like to work at the zoo, and he's gonna do a six week job shadow thing this summer. But I'm like, the zoo is not close. Yeah, I mean, it's a trek. if you and I have to provide transportation for the rest of his life, mm-hmm. like that, just in and of itself, makes me want to not think about it. Right. So we have those logistical things, barriers to making plans, decisions that have to be made. I mean, another thing I think about is he's almost a legal adult. So we have to figure out how to become his guardian legally. I mean, there's like so many things that I just hide my head under the sand and drink. And I I just, I'm like, there are some things that are... How do you do that under Well, I don't do them simultaneously. It's either or, okay? I say, you're kind of crunchy. (laughs) Get me a straw, right? All right, the third... Um, thing that parents worry about is fear of the unknown. And gosh, Jim, we've already right. talked about I that. Think that's, yeah. yeah. Well, here's the one thing I, I think of is transitions. We always talk about transitions are difficult for autistic people, right. but I want to talk to you just in general about transitions that we as parents have to kind of um, go through. So we have this autistic toddler, right? Aaron got diagnosed at about two, two and a half. Mm-hmm. So he goes to early childhood center to you know go to a spe- a, a, a a classroom that is specialized, you know, for, for kids with high support needs. So he goes there and then at some point there has to be that transition to elementary school. And then there has to be a transition to middle school and there has to be a transition to high school. Then he has to transition to an adulthood into adulthood, but yet he's probably going to live with us 
forever. So it's a different kind of adulthood than our girls. We kicked them out to the curb. You know, they graduate <laughs> high school and we're like, oh, see you later. High school, graduate college and we're like, see you later. And a 20 to their coat yep. and wish you, wish you luck. Fairly well. Yep, fairly well. No, we didn't really kick them out. They wanted to um, leave. But I think they still love us. They still come around sometimes. But anyways, the point is, what's my point? Is that those constant transitions means there's constant fear of the unknown, right? right. We don't know. Right. Is he going to have, what are his teachers going to be like? What are his therapists going to be like? What's the autism programming going to be like? Uh, is he going to get made fun of? I will tell you as a mom, my biggest fear is, is he going to get bullied? Right. Now, I think Aaron, the biggest thing going for our son is he's six foot two, you know, and so there aren't, and he's been (laughs) a a big, tall kid for a long time, always been the tallest kid in his class. So I think people look at him and go, not bullying that kid, but let's be honest, not every child has height, you know, as an advantage, as to their advantage. So, okay. The fourth thing, according to this um, uh, interview, this report that they did, uh, that parents fear is feeling the need to make plans and decisions now Mm -hmm. like everything has to be decided now so we get parents who are like okay my my child my you know three-year-old just got diagnosed uh, with autism so now we have to start making plans and they want to make plans and planning is great but as a a provider as a speech language pathologist here's what often happens is uh you have this very young child two three or four year old child and the parents start worrying and they start asking me questions like well do you think he'll ever be able to go to college do you think he'll ever be able to have a job do you think he'll ever be able to get married and have his own family so there you start to see the those are born out of fear. Though. Those are born out of fear. And so I just want to give uh, you guys as listeners uh, what my response is when parents start panicking, if you will, about mm-hmm. the faraway future. Is I say, I understand you have a lot of fears, right? Because we have this fear of the unknown. But when you start thinking about your child's future, here's what I want you to focus on. The next six months. I want you to think about what do I want Aaron to be doing in six months time instead Mm -hmm. of in six years or 16 years or 26 years I want to talk about the next six months and if we can always keep our eyes on that prize right the six months focus on that we can actually create goals uh, that can be attained right so that's where I want you to think about when we talk about the future compartmentalizing your fear into six month little increments. increments compartmentalizing your fear so you can deal with it it's hard to deal with big fears of you know that are decades away so instead we want to talk about the next six months Mm. all right jim the last one um that uh uh, this is the last quote and this has nothing at all to do with autism and you're going to be like this is a really weird you know (laughs) thing to add in here but this when i read this quote i I start screaming from the like you know me i'm very animated and very passionate i'm like oh my gosh yes so here is the quote taking away recess We're talking about recess now, people. Taking away recess is similar to preventing a 10-month-old from crawling because they were bad. (laughs) Can you imagine trying? Stop crawling, baby. Stop crawling. I just keep getting this image (laughs) in my mind. No, you can't crawl. No. Stop crawling, baby. No. Stop crawling. No. And you're just going like this. They're just (laughs) waving their arms. You hold them up above the ground. They're just going, ah. So it's like when you hold a turtle, you know, (laughs) and their little legs are going. So these words of wisdom were shared by at NeuroCurious Therapist, whose page encourages respectful, courageous, and informed parenting of autistic children. Oh, you guys, this page is so amazing. So all I want to do is say that when schools remove recess, 
because of quote unquote bad behavior. Um, I have a real problem with that. And I think a lot of people do. Uh, recess is a right. It is not a privilege. And when we view recess as a privilege uh, and feel that we can just take it away, uh, we are denying children uh, part of their childhood. And there is an amazing book. It is called A Moving Child is a Learning Child. How the Body Teaches the Brain to Think. And it is a fabulous book. And it really helped me as a speech-language pathologist to understand the importance of play-based movement. Mm-hmm. Children with developing brains and bodies. Children with developing nervous systems. Okay, Regardless of behavior, all children have developing nervous systems. Therefore, all children need play-based movement in order to to stay regulated sure. so uh we're gonna we're gonna wrap this episode up but i just want to end by saying that um children dysregulate in the classroom when they're expected to sit still you know focus pay attention and they self-regulate on the playground so to deny a child who has been disruptive or hasn't done their work or you know is not following directions to deny them recess um because they had a bad morning by denying them recess we're just ensuring they're going to have an even worse afternoon mm-hmm. okay so Please do not deny recess because of behavior. Children need and deserve movement. Jim, you and I have been sitting here for about 30 minutes now, and we're ready to get up, aren't we? I mean, that's why I like these podcasts to be shorter, right? Because we all need to uh, move and uh, get going and do our thing. I'm going to go play in the jungle gym. You're going to go play in the jungle gym? I'm going to swing, okay? Okay. All right. Very good. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed those uh, five shout outs. Uh, I will link these accounts in the show notes so that you can go and give them a follow. Uh, I appreciate you uh, spending time with uh, Jim and I for another episode of SLP Talk Show. Uh, Make sure that uh, if you are enjoying the podcast that you either follow or like or subscribe uh, and leave us five stars if you are appreciating the direction that the show is going. So as you head back to the real world, remember, joy is a choice that you make every day when you wake up. Throw kindness around like confetti and please Please get your boobies checked every year. It could just save your life. It certainly saved mine. Until we meet again, cheers.